Man, those guys can't catch a break, you know, atomically speaking. So, David, I, from the background noise, I sense that you are not at home. I sense that you are... Where are you? Hold on. Don't tell me. Listen for the accents. Hmm. Oh, you're in the Carolinas. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Are, you're, are you, you're at the... <laughs> you're, at the uh, you're at the mothership? Yeah. Yeah. Red Hat Tower. Or 13. Nice. Yeah. What do you, what are you in town for? Um, doing, getting a little, uh, CloudForms education, so it's, it's pretty good, pretty interesting. Excellent. Yeah, Excellent. yeah. I, uh, had an interesting experience with PreCheck in Canton, Akron. This oh, week. yeah? Yeah, so I was going, uh, you know, for, I don't know what happened, but it's like, I didn't have the PreCheck thing on my boarding pass, so they wouldn't let me in the PreCheck line. And then, so they, uh, so it's like, alright, so I go through the regular line, and then, for some reason, they were letting the non-pre-check people in the pre-check line as like a promotion or like a free sample of what mm-hmm. pre-check could be, except for me, because I said I'm in pre-check and I didn't. And so it's like, okay, that's fine. And then, um, but I I think that they have some kinks that they have to work out because they they end up putting the what is it seventy or seventy and above people in the same line as a pre-check people because they don't have to go through the scanner. They can go through the metal detector, leave their shoes on and all that. But now you're lumping in all the professional travelers that know the drill with a lot of the slower-moving older people that don't know how things work. Yeah, the, and the, then, the unwashed. I call them the unwashed. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's a nice way to put it. Um, <laughs> but I, but it's, to me, that's just leads to that that puts things on a collision course right where you get a lot of impatient people with a lot oh, of yeah. people that are you know it's just with I, a, I, impatient people with a sense of entitlement right exactly they yeah. uh, they paid their 85 dollars and you know mm-hmm. yeah so anyhow the, on the, on the, so i don't know what happened like i don't know if my pre-check number made it in or or not or they're not doing it anymore and uh but i checked in to go home tomorrow and i intentionally plugged in my uh uh, you know, the pre-check number into while I checked in and it showed up on my boarding pass this time. So I don't know if it's not automatic anymore or what the deal is. Well, you know, they, they'll randomly, even if you are pre-checked, they will randomly unpre-check you and send yeah. you down, and send you down the, the line with the unwashed. Uh-huh. Right. Whichever it, it like beeps or whatever, but, uh-huh. it, but yeah. it's like, but would it even say pre-check on your boarding pass? Uh, yes, it does say pre-check on your boarding pass. Yes. Yeah. And in my case, it didn't. Huh. Oh, so it's like the number didn't get plugged into the system somehow. I don't know. Hmm. But the good news, though, is I got to read my tablet during takeoff and landing. Oh, my gosh. So good, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Now, I have a question for you, though. I So, I like you, I enjoyed that for the first time this week. And yep. I did the math and I realized maybe I can actually be listening to music and podcasts during takeoff and landing as well, um, which would suddenly change... Change it, it, for some reason that's even more exciting to me. Um, and I noticed it was a little bit spotty. I noticed that there were some folks who were listening and some folks who weren't listening. It wasn't clear to me whether that was whether that was cool or not, or whether you had to turn all that stuff off. Yeah. So I I think well, at least for I, I don't think people had a 
they were just basically saying you had to be in airplane mode. Didn't matter what you had, right. uh, you know, it, ear, earbuds, whatever. And even, you know, there are people that had their earbuds on when they were doing a safety briefing. So, oh, wow. Yeah. That, that's a little sloppy. Um, yeah. But uh, I've seen that happen before, anyhow, before they feel <laughs> like they'll do that before the, the door closes and people are, you know, yeah. Not yeah whatever. That's right. That's right. Uh, but isn't it wonderful? Isn't it amazing? Yeah. Uh, it's so yeah it's, I'm looking forward to. Um, so, you know, the GoGo, the wireless, you know, mm-hmm. in-flight wireless, mm-hmm. the, now they're going to be allowing you to do uh, in-flight cell calls. Oh, it's not home. Oh, you man. could be in the middle seat next to, like, two of uh, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I've got phone guy on either side of you. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, that's a, that would be... That it, that would be an apocalypse. I mean, that, would, that would like that would keep me out of airplanes if that were the case. Yeah, as people would have to start wearing uh, bulletproof, uh, stab-proof suits, and and we'll get to that. <laughs> um, so, did you and and you flew U.S. Air, right? Yes, yes. Um, and so, did you have the experience of my flight attendants were very excited about the merger going through. So now U.S. Airways and American Airlines are now known as simply as American Airlines. Um, they were over the moon excited about this merger, and it made me think that um, the union had negotiated something very special indeed um, mm. with the American folks. Uh, did, did, you have the, did you have the same experience? I think I flew... On well, I flew on Monday, and I think it was before that was announced. So there was, mm. I, and okay. so I didn't. Uh, maybe I'll pick up on that on you know on the trip home today mm-hmm. or, or tomorrow. But but I saw that as part of the deal that the like Reagan National, which we fly out a lot of, that means mm-hmm. U.S. Airways has to give up like uh, what thirty four uh, slots. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't. Hopefully they keep Canton Akron. Um, <laughs> well, it's, well, it's, they actually well, they had to, they had to drop over a hundred at DCA, um, but and then like thirty four slots at LaGuardia, and oh, that's right, yeah, yeah, um, yeah hundred hundred slots. That's like huge. That's a lot. Uh, yeah. Although, the from what I understood, the those the slots they surrendered were probably slots that they were going to retire anyway um, mm-hmm. because of the consolidation. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, you already. How many flights? There's probably one to Dallas or a couple to Dallas on U.S. Airways and uh, American. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. That's right. Hopefully, I hope that works out. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Fingers crossed. I feel like it's going to be pretty good. Although I, I guess they're going to the. I, I guess they're moving to the American model for, uh, uh, for frequent flyer. The the frequent flyer program is moving to the American model. What okay. I'm told. Um, What's it? I, I don't so now I have to learn the American model, which has me terrified because I'm like I'm chairman on U.S. Airways and um, anything that puts that in jeopardy is uh, makes my blood run cold. Yeah, well, it's going to be even worse for me because I'm like platinum on United, and so the and I believe they're leaving Star Alliance, so that's so it's like I'm not going to be able to use my United juice to get on. Uh, uh, yeah. So that means I'm going to have to either choose to go American, which I've been flying mostly U.S. Air this year, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. or go to United. Um, and and I don't know with all the consolidation what what's going to be the more advantageous. And what stinks is that I don't know if there is ever a good time to switch because you you build up that loyalty on one, and then you you got to start all over with another one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I 
is <laughs> I suddenly become very self-conscious of how nerdy this conversation turned. Um, even for the show, I think we might be nerding out on the flight stuff too much. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> this up at night. So, how, uh, what what have you been up to? Um, so, I just came back from literally just got off the plane from uh, Charleston, South Carolina, which is lovely. Um, yeah. Remains lovely, although very cold. Uh, it got very cold very suddenly over there. Um, went from seventy something to twenty nine something. Um, it was uh, it certainly caught me off guard and and a bunch of other people as well. I was down there for. Uh, big industry show, the C5 ISR conference. Um, and it was good to see some uh, old friends uh, in the Charleston area. We've got the uh, Navy base down there. Uh, good to see some new friends. Uh, all in all, pretty good concert. Uh, nice. Yeah. Did I say concert? I meant, uh, I meant conference. Felt like a concert. That's how much fun I had. Yeah. yeah. Right. right. Um, and, and I actually got some lessons learned from that, which we'll, uh, which we'll touch on later. Yes. Yeah, I'm excited about that. So yes. actually... Go ahead. Well, so I was going to say, speaking of later, uh, what do we got coming up on the show here? Yeah, so we got uh, Oracle uh, plays with science, Amazon plays with the U.S. Postal Service, and everyone plays with tracking you like a criminal. Mm-hmm. This sounds. This sounds. This is our red meat right here. Um, yeah. We're touching on competitors. We're touching on Amazon and uh, touching on uh, ubiquitous surveillance. These are these yeah. are the uh, they're probably right up there in the top three. David Gunner topics. That's excellent. I'm excited about yeah. it. Um, so if folks want to learn more about any of these topics, uh, want to learn more about the stab proof suit about which more later, uh, mm-hmm. you can go to uh, dgshow.org. That's D as in Dave, G as in Gunner, show.org. And mm-hmm. uh, on the cutting room floor, Dave, uh, yeah. this is mostly your stuff, actually. So what did yeah. you find this week? So we got uh, uh, smoking superheroes and computer museums and uh, some uh, depression simulators. So um, the, the simulators are pretty cool. So, like, you know how you have, like, Microsoft Flight Simulator and cool things like that? There's one where you could simulate driving a bus. Um, there's another one where you could simulate driving, like, a metro uh, train. So hmm. it's like, I, I need a simulation for waiting in a doctor's office or something. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, gosh. But anyhow, let's, uh, let's see. Um, we've got a lot of follow-up to do here. We do. We have a mountain to follow up, uh, starting with our good friend Adam Clater, who was good enough to join us on the last episode. Um, I thought I thought that went really well. It was nice to uh, nice to have a third voice and a, and a third brain uh, working on the working on the topics last week. That was great. We had a great yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so so Adam uh, <laughs> Adam said Adam Adam will apparently soon be able to recharge his neck microphone and guinea pig with microwaves. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So there's, uh, you know, we were talking about the, the neck microphone and how you would power it or, or things like that. And there's a new invention that um, harvests electricity from the background uh, from background radiation. So, um, so think about like a microwave oven or Wi-Fi signals. Those can be used to uh, like charge your cell phone. How does this? Is it? That seems that seems bananas. That seems like it shouldn't be possible, right? Um, yeah. Isn't there some kind of a th- thermodynamics law that we're violating by doing that or or is uh, it just or is it just like we're we're just being a lot more efficient by kind of recapturing this energy that we've that we've squandered yeah no to me i i sort of envision it like like a solar calculator right where it's like mm-hmm. you have all the sunlight coming in and it's kind of getting wasted um mm-hmm. and and so you might as well if you can capture a little bit of it um that could be useful and and uh in the same way that sunlight is radiation uh so are microwaves and and uh sure. wi-fi radio waves so mm-hmm. if you can harvest them 
um, you might as well, if you can do something. It, it, they said something like it was like 44% efficient, um, which huh. was like remarkable. Yeah, right? that's pretty good. Think that, you know, it's, it's sort of like, a, you can think of it like a crystal radio from the 10 and one Radio Shack set of our childhood. Oh, yes. Yeah, where it's like it, where it was magic that you could have a radio that didn't need uh, any sort of power. But uh, it, it was interesting. We'll put the link in there. No, oh, that sounds great. Sounds yeah. great. Um, there, uh, our friend Jason Calloway uh, sent us uh, an anatomy of uh, Riker's beard. Uh, this is the character uh, uh, Riker from uh, Star Trek. Uh, Dave, what's his first name? Uh, Jason. Jason. Jason Riker. Uh, no, Calloway. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Commander Riker. Commander yeah. Riker, yes. Jason Calloway sent us an anatomy of Commander Riker's beard. Commander Riker's beard being probably one of the most famous beards uh, there are. Um, anyway, uh, some excellent... Uh, an excellent explanation of that beard and, and the power that it holds. Um, so pursuant to our last episode, which was which largely revolved around beards. Um, yes. Let's see. And then uh, you found a bad bios? Yep. More bad bios yeah. news? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is related. Where in Russia, um, I guess there there's some uh, Chinese imports that uh, are that have hidden chips in them that launch uh, spam attacks. So, and what's what's strange is that these uh, these uh, chips are embedded in things like like irons um, and and uh, uh, stuff like that. So oh. it's like really really like an iron that you iron your shirt with, right? Um, so it's kind of creepy. That is creepy. So, so like not obviously IT equipment being right. set up, being basically turned into a bugging device from mm-hmm. from afar, from nine thousand miles away. Yeah, that's uh, creepy. Um, so that could be talking to your BIOS. I, I well, so I, I'll one up you there. We um, found this article on uh, the sorry security of the baseband software. Mm-hmm. Um, so the in your phone. You have obviously the operating system on the phone, but then the radio gets its own operating system, more or less. And apparently, those little operating systems uh, are horrifically bad uh, at security and very exploitable. And unfortunately, these are the things that control stuff like microphones uh, and, of course, your communications, right? Your your radio, the radio itself. Uh, and so, uh, a researcher published a published a paper on this topic. And apparently, can, it's it is possible to turn that turn that little piece of software that controls your radio into a whole horror show uh, of malware. Um, so that's been keeping me up at night since I read that. Yep. So you need to like either keep your iron in a Faraday cage or your phone, and then when you go to use your phone, put the iron in the Faraday cage. Yeah. No, I'm just going to walk around in a Faraday cage from now on. Just, I'm right. Gonna, I'm gonna. I'll, I'm gonna. Oh, oh! You know what? I'm going to make a hat out of tinfoil. Out of tinfoil, to prevent these, uh, to prevent all this stuff from leaking. And and now, uh, and now I can use it to not only prevent surveillance, but also to prevent people from stealing my precious energy. Right, and stealing your thoughts That's and right. hat ideas. That's right. That's correct. <laughs> um, speaking of paranoid lunatics, uh, so that Larry Ellison was in the uh, <laughs> was in the news lately. Um, <laughs> Uh, so Forbes, Dave, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Forbes has kind of, uh, gone off the deep end with these, uh, paid advertisements. Um, yeah. I'm seeing very little actual content coming out of Forbes lately. And a lot of it is, uh, paid long form promotional copy 
under the Forbes domain name, right? So if you look right. at the URL for this, or if you look at the webpage for it, it looks as though it was an article published by Ford. Uh, although if you read it more carefully, it is really basically a paid advertisement from a particular company, in this case, from Oracle, um, where this article covers uh, the notion uh, that Oracle's strategy, which is, uh, you know, this integrated uh, and you know what do they call them? Engineered systems, right? Yes. Uh, so these monolithic two million dollar refrigerators, you know, one for your databases, one for your middleware, and so on. That uh, that these are more efficient, and in order to prove their point, they've mustered I think four scientific papers, which claim to quote unquote prove that uh, <laughs> that uh, that engineered systems are indeed a better way of doing IT. Um, I don't even know where to start criticizing. Um, first of all, the papers themselves second of all oracle's interpretation of those papers and third the fact that they had to use basically a, a hijacked portion of the uh, forbes.com website in order to get this news out there um i, I think it's i think it's embarrassing and, and not a very good way of, of advertising so um, yep. anyway go check out the article and uh, you guys tell us uh what's wrong with it um i think it's a should be funded funded tear apart yeah like to me if engineered systems of tightly coupled Hardware and software were the way of the future. Unix and Unix hardware would be thriving right now. Well, right. So the well, the so Larry Ellison famously was friends with Steve Jobs, right? And they were both mm-hmm. of the, oh, yeah. and they both were part of this church um, where mm-hmm. you know you take. I think I've told I've, I've told you about this before. I, I saw the Oracle CTO speak in front of the FAA um, and declare that they were offering uh, freedom from choice. Yes. For oh, IT buyers? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Um, War is peace. <laughs> War is peace. We have always been at war with East Asia. Free, um, freedom of slavery. Freedom of slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, so there is an approach out there which says that, you know, an integrated system that takes choice away from your customer uh, is actually better in a number of ways. And that may be true for some limited applications like consumer electronics, <laughs> probably a pretty good Vendors. idea. Vendors. It's <laughs> right. a great idea. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but the anyway, this is, this is worth a whole. Uh, we, we don't want to burn time on this. Um, we should. Uh, uh, we should. We should talk about something else. But let's put a pin in that. Let's come back to this. This notion of of tearing apart the the engineered systems idea. Let's let's maybe do that in the next episode. I think that'd be worthwhile. Yeah. Okay. So, but you found you found that Amazon. Next piece of news is Amazon doing a deal with the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah. So um, now they're looking at. It's starting in select cities, but uh, Amazon is going to have the postal service deliver on Sundays, and uh, and so only uh, and Amazon will have an exclusive. So the only thing that will get delivered on Sundays by the postal service is um, Amazon uh, packages. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, why do you th- no? Why do you think they would cut a deal with the U.S. Postal Service instead of paying FedEx or UPS to do the same thing? Maybe that the postal service is on the ropes. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's it, to me, it's a oh, way. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe, the, maybe the postal service cut them a cut them a sweet deal because um, yes. they're because yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, it's like they don't have to worry about profit as much as a public company. Um, yeah, yeah, and but to me, like you, like if I order something over the internet. If it, I always do like the free shipping because, like, if it arrives, I don't need next day shipping. Mm-hmm. If it arrives a week later or eight days later, 
in the long run, I'm going to keep something for a long time. So I'm not going to remember whether I had it like the next day or whatever. It's rarely an emergency. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. I'm the same way. Although, you know, it's interesting. When I was uh, working in New York, uh, Manhattan at one point had twice daily mail delivery. Mm. And if you think about that, it, it would actually change the way that you do business if you were... Um, it, if you could rely on mail being delivered once in the morning and once in the afternoon, that would actually probably, that would probably change behavior, right? That would actually change the way you thought about the mail. Um, and so I wonder if there's a similar phenomena here where if I know that every day the U S postal service can draw by and deliver a package um, that, that would probably, um, that would probably change my behavior. I'm just not sure exactly how it would change my behavior. Yep. Oh, it, would well, certainly, it would certainly make Friday night shopping a little more attractive. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and uh, yeah, you know you don't have to wait until Monday or something. Mm-hmm. And, but also, in general, when it comes to mail, like, you know, people were talking about, oh, the Postal Service may cut Saturday delivery because they're in, now they've gone from considering cutting Saturday service to adding the Sunday service. Um, but... Like, to me, it's like if I got mail once a week, I would actually, I would love that, right? Mm-hmm. I can get all the junk at one time. And, and because, like, whenever I get mail, that's sort of like an interrupt of something that I need to process. Mm-hmm. And if I could just get a pile of it and then go through it in, like, 90 seconds, that mm-hmm. would be great. Right, right. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But did you hear about the Adobe password leak? So bad. So bad. Yeah, and <laughs> and so it's 150 million passwords, and you could actually we'll put a link in the show notes where you can go to a website and enter your uh, email address, and then it'll tell you whether your email address was affected, um, and whether you should go tra- uh, change it. Um, and the other thing is that, and and this is like textbook, you know, security stuff that you shouldn't do. Um, but what they did was a Encrypt, they stored the passwords encrypted as opposed to an encrypted hash, which, and, you know, what you really should do is a salted hash. Um, and this is like, I'm telling Lauren this all the time. And, and you, I'm serious, you go and ask Lauren about this, and she'll be like, well, duh, yeah, you want to store, store passwords as salted hashes. And, uh, you know, and she knows that. Adobe doesn't. Or I, no, I guess, no. they, I mean, they, I guess they, they do now. And they would have told her. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, because you, you could actually, uh, yeah. There, uh, and uh, we don't have time to go into it, but it, it, you know, salted hashes are the way to go. It's, um, and it, it, what blows me away is it's not like Adobe doesn't have any smart people on staff, right? Yeah. Um, but it, it, I think it is interesting, though, that a company like Adobe, who previously has struggled with, we talked about, and uh, I think it was even last week's show, where we talked about the vulnerabilities in the Acrobat Reader, um, yep. which have gone on for years, right? And then Flash, and now they've lost basically a good-sized country's worth of passwords. Yep. Um, 150 million is, and that's more people than most countries, right? Um, yep. So it, it kind of, you know, you got to kind of think, oh, maybe, maybe this is like a cultural thing over there. <laughs> maybe they're... Yep. You know, maybe they're just not trained to think about this kind of problem. Um, yeah. Well, right. And is that a part of their culture where yeah. sometimes is it features over security um, and convenience over security and usability over security? Schedule over security, more, most likely. That's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And, um, 
And but the interesting thing I saw too is that Facebook um, is they actually got a hold of the database and they are comparing since it's not hashed, um, they are taking like users and and making sure that like oh is your does your Adobe password match your Facebook password? And and if it does, it's going to say it, it's going to have Facebook users whenever you log in change your password. So if you're reusing your password on the Adobe site as well as Facebook, Facebook will tell you to um, change your password because it's been compromised. That is smart. That is a noble effort. I can I can really get behind that. Do you think that maybe Facebook might be accidentally violating some uh, some wiretap rules? Like. I, I have to believe that in some country, what they're doing is illegal. Yes, that, or some EU thing. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> right, right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and in, in some ways, it's like creepy, but uh, but in a good way. Right, right. Using creepy for for noble purposes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of being creepy for well, speaking of being creepy and uh, tracking. And, tra- and tracking. Um, so what a lot of people don't realize is that that both the, the Bluetooth radio in your phone and the Wi-Fi antenna in your uh, radio in, in your phone uh, have unique addresses, have unique signatures Yeah. that will stick yeah. with that phone for its entire life. Um, and it turns out that that is a super handy way of tracking uh, where people are and what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And so you found this article uh, about how stores were using this extremely creepy vulnerability uh, to track people's shopping habits. Yeah, yeah. So there's um, there are a couple articles where it goes into detail. Where if you take a look at some of the pictures, there's actually a graphic where you could see a security camera, and you can see like a, a breadcrumb trail of like red dots and green dots of customers walking through the store and the trail that they went when they went from one place to another. Um, so it's really kind of um, I, I guess in the same way that, you know, on a store, like on Amazon, I'm sure you're being tracked and analyzed and, oh, other people bought this. Or, oh, I saw that you, you keep looking at the same motorcycle helmet over and over again. And, and you know, so you might get, that, that, you know, uh, pinged on it a little bit more to say, well, maybe, maybe you want a motorcycle helmet. Um, so now they're starting to do that in uh, brick and mortar stores to, to do that tracking. So it's, it's pretty wild. So this, what the, well, I hear this, and it made me jump immediately to the criticism that NSA has uh, been suffering under, which is uh, that they are, basically, this is overreach, right? That they are collecting too much data uh, for too small a return. And I have to wonder, you know, a brick-and-mortar store can really cheaply, like alarmingly cheaply, cheaply um, put a system like this in place to track their customers. Yep. But given all of that data, Right and how customers are walking around in the store and where they're visiting and things like that. Exactly how useful could that possibly be, right? For yes. for the violation of privacy and the expense of setting up the system. Like, are you really going to recover the cost of the system to yep. to know this? And once you have the information, are you in a position to do anything about it? Right. Well, I I think we'll find out soon because uh, Google's testing a program that tracks you everywhere you go. Oh, good. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Uh, yeah. So they're, they're testing, they're beta testing a program that tracks users' purchasing habits by registering brick and mortar stores via their smartphones. Um, and, and so, like, 
the same way, so you register your smartphone with Google, mm-hmm. um, and then, like like you said, there's the, like a MAC address, essentially, with your Wi-Fi um, and your Bluetooth, and you walk into a store, and then that store can cross-reference you with Google's database to find out who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, and then you're thinking probably, oh, I'm not going to use Android anymore. Um, but it also works on iOS, so you, you, you have... Uh, platform diversity in terms of, of how you choose to be tracked um, so th- and- so this is like this is minority report right we're, we're like you know welcome john anderson i hope you enjoyed those khakis yeah right that's well, that's what this is yeah but but the, the good thing about this is that it can only be used for uh, shopping right <laughs> right that's that's the only possible use case <laughs> right right um yeah, TSA was was the first thing I thought of, but you found this article uh, that uh, that Seattle's using it now, right? Yeah, yep. So they're using it for, I guess, law enforcement. So if you're, you know, the uh, somebody of interest in the wrong neighborhood and they want to know where you are, mm-hmm. um, the same way that you know you're walking around with your phone, um, and 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 I guess the way it works is that you know your phone is like looking around for hotspots to connect to, mm-hmm. uh, like open Wi-Fi or whatever, and it. it it's broadcasting, and then on the reception point, it can collect a bunch of MAC addresses. You cross-address those MAC addresses of the phones with a criminal database. Um, it's a great way to uh, pick up people of interest. So, now, what makes this creepy is that... Okay, so, i got a bunch of questions now, because it's not as if phones didn't have uniquely identifiable characteristics before they had Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, right? You could always get a phone's IMEI number or... Uh, I mean, there are other ways of it broadcasting its identity. In other words, if you were looking for a particular phone on the system, you would know where that phone was as long as it was turned on and within range of a uh, of a base station, right? Yep. Um, so, and and as far as I know, like you actually need a warrant to get that kind of information, or at least uh, uh, you need you know a, a letter from your doctor or something, right? It's, right. it's not like they can. Uh, it's not like the city can just maintain a list of kind of phone numbers of interest um, and get constant updates on their, on their whereabouts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, I, I would think, but it sounds the way this, the way this program is described, it sounds like that's exactly what they're doing um, yeah. and kind of doing an end run around some pretty elaborate rules around what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. Um, never mind the fact that now Google is doing it in the private sector. Google is accumulating all that information. And even if you're cool with being tracked for the purposes of, getting coupons, um, mm-hmm. that information is super subpoenable, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, yes. And it doesn't take very much for a court to order Google to, to turn all that data over to the authorities or worth a, worse, uh, a plaintiff's lawyer, right? Right. Um, and, and also, you don't need to, like, to, I guess, get the IMEI numbers and everything. You don't, you have to get all kind of elaborate telecom equipment. Where mm-hmm. here is, you just throw a hotspot or like a Raspberry Pi right. with a Wi-Fi adapter on it and yeah. just start collecting stuff. And I, I could also imagine Google providing free internet access to businesses, right? It's like, oh, you put in our mm-hmm. hotspot in your place and provide power, and then it's, it's a collection point for um, cell phones to get more information about where you like to shop. and. Yep. and um, you can get free Wi-Fi in the store in exchange for uh, letting people know when you walk in. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. And, and if you think about how much Google already knows about that person, right? Um, yeah. I, I've been using and enjoying Google now for quite some time. And we talked about this before on the show. Like, I'm getting great return on this data that they're accumulating about me, right? It sends me useful alerts. Um, yeah. But now dovetail that with the information about location and the fact that I, again, am not Google's customer. These stores are Google's customer. And Google is going to have a lot of incentives and a bunch of very good reasons to turn over information about me to the stores. So mm-hmm. when I walk in the door, the store clerks would know, as an example, oh, here's a guy who enjoys using the Flipboard app, or um, here's a guy who is a U.S. Airways and Marriott customer. Google would know all of that stuff um, mm-hmm. and would be able to pre- I mean, just, yikes. Yeah. Yep, and I noticed that like whenever I turn my phone on, and I don't know why this happens. So I have a Samsung Galaxy S3. Um, whenever I take it out of sleep mode, I notice that the GPS lights up for like a couple seconds. Like whenever I wake the phone up, huh. and then it goes away. I don't know what it's doing, what it's collecting. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Huh. I, but, you know, um, I, I, I was. Uh, that reminds me. I, was, I was met a guy with uh, first time I've seen a, one of those Moto X. You know, like the yeah. the pure Google phones. Um, and I'd heard about, and we talked about on the show, all the kind of like off-board processing they do on these phones so that it does a bunch of like stuff in the background, like listening for your voice and things like that. Um, one of the things he, one of the things this guy said was, uh, he was driving down the road listening to Pandora and suddenly Pandora pauses and Google says like, oh, your boss just sent you a text message. Would you like me to read it to you? And the guy goes, uh, the guy goes, oh, uh, yes. And then he reads in the message and it's, and then it says, uh, would you like me to reply to him and let him know that you're driving? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, you know, just think about a personal assistant as also like your own personal, like surveillance agent. Um, and when it dovetails with all of these other tools that we're talking about, um, the world gets even worse than minority report, right? Um, in minority report, all they can do is identify you by your eyes. Um, this seems to be much scarier. Yeah. So on on a lighter note, let's 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 uh, change the pace a little bit. But okay. um, do you use uh, Google Hangouts? Google I do. Plus Hangouts? I do. I use and enjoy Google Hangouts. Uh, it's how I how I communicate with you. Um, it's increasingly replacing uh, text messaging for me for for a number of closer friends because it's got a, extra features like the video chat stuff, and also I can see when people have read messages, things like that. I, it's a great service. I really enjoy it. Yeah. So it's been updated. Excellent. I can't wait. It's a, probably a sweet new feature, right? Yep. One tap location sharing. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! Yeah, sad trombone. <laughs> so, but you think about like all that data that's being collected. The more data you collect, the more you know. The higher the probability, and the more you got to, you know, you have a, a government request for that data, and that that has to cause an impact on the business, right? Yeah, and I'll bet you if if there was a company that figured out how to automate handing over data to the government, if they had a, you know like an automated platform for that, you'd think they'd patent it, right? Yeah, yeah, or open source it. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, no, uh, Facebook just decided to patent that. <laughs> so yeah, it's not open source, but but it is patented, and you could uh, so Google could license a patent from Facebook, I guess. To, <laughs> I did. That's a kind of a goofy patent, right? I mean, I guess what are they like? What are they even as a defensive patent? It's a little bit weird because it's not like it's a commercial advantage for them. Although I guess maybe it is. 
if it if it makes their lives less uh, or more frictionless, uh, mm-hmm. where for other people it, it creates more friction, possibly. But like, I th- yeah. But I guess I mean, like, how would you know? Like, if Google had created a an automated like government subpoena responder or national security letter responding robot, um, how how would Facebook ever know that Google had automated that process and was violating the patent? You know what I mean? Like, how do you how do you ever yeah. get how do you how do you ever get to the point where you're enforcing the patent? Yeah, I guess. Or if maybe maybe it's like a business idea that somebody wants to a third party wants to create uh, that robot and sell it as a product. Where right. here it's like. Right, so you get like Facebook, Facebook Federal spins off a <laughs> spins off a government siphon subsidiary. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so I, you heard about this, uh, the Toronto mayor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just uh, public service, huh? <laughs> How about it? That guy is yeah. crazy town, um, and and hung out with a bunch of rough guys. Uh, which which makes me think that he would be extremely interested in in uh, in this item you discovered. Yeah, there's a Toronto tailor. Uh, he introduced uh, a line of bulletproof uh, three piece suits. So they're they are like twenty thousand dollars a piece, made out of carbon nanotubes. Um, so that's fifty percent lighter than a Kevlar three piece suit, um, and thirty times the strength of steel. Um, and and so a suit built with one of these. Uh, can stop a nine millimeter bullet. That's pretty good. No, but my my, my first question, of course, is uh, does the suit does the suit drape properly, um, or is it, or does it feel or is it like a cheap Sears suit? I I just don't know how carbon nanotubes like are the folds all right. Yeah, or do you have to iron them? Do you have to or iron them? Iron them. Yeah. yeah. What's the upkeep right. on a carbon nanotube? I, I just I just don't know. Dry um, clean only. Right. <laughs> um, twenty thousand dollars each. That yeah. seems well. I, mean, I guess not that much money for peace of mind. If if you're in the kind of a business where you're expecting to get stabbed with a knife or shot with a nine millimeter, um, I guess I guess I, I guess you're prepared to drop twenty k on a suit. It's probably yeah. a bargain, right? Yeah. Well, and from a product demo standpoint, mm-hmm. um, and you have to check the article out because it said that uh, employees were taking turns trying to stab uh, the co-owner with a hunting knife. <laughs> That's pretty good. I can imagine a couple of bosses I'd like to try this out on. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, well, it's, it's I don't know. Does it like the employee of the month gets to try to stab the boss? <laughs> or, uh, you get the parking space and the hunting knife. And you, you know. That's right. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Dave, you're a prog rock fan. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, so, you, so you drop, so you drop this. Uh, so rush. Yeah, so an event I'll be at uh, next week. Uh, so, yeah, one of the bands that I like is Rush, and and they're gonna they're gonna be in movie theaters on Monday the 18th. So probably this will this by the time people listen to this, it will have passed. But the cool part about this is that uh, I'm going with my daughter and her friend from school, who are both Rush fans. So it's <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. Um, that's great. So, I thought. See, I thought the connection was. I thought there was going to be a Canadian connection between the previous item and and this item, um, because the Rush are famous. Yeah, Canadian, true. Right? True. Yeah, yeah. but not not in this case. But yeah, yeah. That's great. Uh, what are, you, are you doing anything for for work next week? Yes, and I will. After the the movie theater, I will be heading to Supercomputing in uh, uh, lovely Denver, Colorado. So I'll be there Tuesday through Thursday. Nice. 
Oh, that's great. And, but you're not going far from your house. No, no, I'm uh, I'm actually going to be commuting by car to to my next gig. I'll be in San Antonio on that uh, actually Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, Tuesday doing a panel on the JIE um, okay. and uh, the latest DoD jargon, and then on Wednesday um, they 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 handed me this this event. They're like, oh, there's a keynote on Wednesday that they want you to do, and it's like, all right, cool, I can do I can do a keynote. I've done keynotes before, and then I looked at the agenda. It's 90 minutes over lunch. Wow, that's like a like a fish concert level. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and about as disorienting. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, ninety minutes. Uh, so I gotta. That's a. That's wow. on, my, on my list of things to do is is scrape together ninety minutes worth of material. Um, and so that's gonna be rough. That's gonna be hard. I might even, and actually, I was considering changing the format. You know, usually I'll do. You know, I build it in open office, and then I'll. I'll um, uh, presented in, you know, I'll bring a PDF to actually project onto the screen. But I was actually thinking about doing uh, doing the, my ninety minutes on uh, on OpenShift using uh, like Reveal oh. JS or, or one of these uh, or one of these other you know kind of online presentation frameworks where I can yeah. just like write some markdown and then and the presentation pops up. I think that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Well, you could um, if you did it in OpenShift, uh, you could do it at fifty percent of normal prices. Oh, nice. Oh, There's is there a a, is there a sale it's on sale? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So this, this is kind of neat because I guess like you know you're always seeing prices go up for things and but how Amazon keeps lowering prices all the time and it's which is amazing in terms of uh, AWS um, and so um, you know we can ride on top of that and pass the savings on to our users. That's excellent. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, and, so I think, and I think, and I think, and so, and that's not even. I mean, we joke about it as a sale, but that's actually my understanding is that that's a permanent, permanently yep. lower price. Yes. Yes. Yep. And uh, it's fifty uh, percent lower gear prices. It's um, in more countries, so it's more than just uh, the U.S. and uh, uh, and two gigabyte gears in the uh, silver plan. So it's pretty cool. That's great, man. That that platform just keeps getting better and better. Um, and actually, with the lower price and the increase in gear size, um, I think this makes us the most um, the kind of the best bang for your buck in terms of uh, commercial platforms as a service. I think you know you put it mm-hmm. up against Heroku or you know, any of the other guys. Um, I think we do really, really well, which is great. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's open source too. So if you get mad at mm-hmm. it, you could just take your code and yep, put it somewhere else. Yeah. Yep. Um. Oh, and a happy birthday, Fedora. Yep. Ten years. Ten years. A decade ago. That's that's amazing. Ten years. And SE Linux has been in RHEL for like what ten years too, right? Uh, I think it's just shy of ten years. Um, because yeah. I think it was like the second or third Fedora release was the first one that SE Linux showed up in. Yep. Um. Yeah. And so yeah, just SE Linux is not far away. Yeah, and but um, th- did you get to see the coloring book? I didn't. You know, I saw all these email threads about it, and I heard about it from you, but I have not actually seen the uh, the coloring book yet. But I think that's yes. hilarious. Oh yeah, so it's it's basically uh, uh, Dan Walsh and Maureen Duffy uh, did an opensource.com article where they um, show you how to get your head wrapped around uh, SE Linux, um, but it's all by using like coloring pages um, and. <laughs> And it's it, it's storytelling like cats and dogs eating food, and and he's doing multi-category security, multi-level security, all using uh, um, cats and dogs and 
dog bowls and cat chow and all that. So it's is and it's uh, technically accurate too. Is is really really good. Oh, that's wonderful. That's great. That's great. Uh, so speaking of security, uh, so Tony James. Uh, yes. Got some the publisher. Tony James. The yeah. Tony James. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so he, he pointed us to, uh, uh, there's a blog post on our security blog that shows how to do uh, automated auditing of the system using SCAP. So this is like, you know, we've been talking about the SCAP security guide and mm-hmm. open SCAP and everything. This blog post is very long, very detailed, very rich in terms of content, showing you how to pull down the SCAP security guide, do a security scan and all that. It's, it's just beautiful. That's great. I'm really impressed with this uh, security blog, by the way. It's for whatever reason they really started ramping up the posts in the last uh, couple three months. Um, yep. And the content out there is just outstanding. It's so good. Um, yes. I'm really glad they're doing that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and that blog, the the SCAP one, is no exception. So mm-hmm. it's it's really good. Yep. yep. Yeah. So what is your your panel lesson learned? You. Oh yeah, yeah. So the, so um. So I had this panel that I was doing in Charleston and it was on the topic of uh, information dominance, uh, which is like one of those like kind of value free catchphrases in DOD right right now. Yes. Um, Software-defined value. (laughs) That's right. Um, So this information dominance platform is, uh, I had, I had this, I had this epiphany because I walked into this panel as I frequently do thinking that like, why am I in this panel? Like I can't, like, I don't, don't, I'm not sure I have anything to say on this panel. Um, and these other guys are going to be way smarter than me. And I don't know what I'm going to say. So I'm like, let me do some prepared remarks and all the rest of it. And what the organizers did was take the panelists and stuck us in a room for half an hour right before we went on stage. And in the course of just kind of hanging out, uh, we started picking up on uh, on each other's personalities. Um, we got a sense of what each other were interested in. And we were really kind of becoming, you know, and we're just talking shop. It's not like we were becoming like close friends, but we got familiar enough with ourselves that we, once we finally got on stage, we were comfortable uh, actually talking, you know, like panelists are supposed to do. Um, and I realized that one of the things that got me uptight about the, the, one of the things that got me uptight about being a panelist is this idea that like, oh, I have to produce, right? And I have to produce something that's like on par with the other guys. Um, but actually that's not what a panel is at all. That's what a speech is about, right? That's like persuasive right. public speaking. That's what that's about. A panel is a totally different gig. A panel is, um, getting a decent conversation going, you know, with the, with the, with the other people at the table. Um, and it really kind of opened my, and, and made me realize like, Oh, this is a, this, I should, I shouldn't prepare for this. Um, as if it were public speaking, because it, because it's a different activity, um, which yeah. seems, which seems obvious when you say it, but when you're, when you walk into these panels, it really does feel like it's about to be a public speech. Um, anyway, and that also got me thinking about like other ways of preparing. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you, you and I have talked about this uh, recently, um, uh, when preparing for public speech, I wonder, maybe we spend a little bit of time talking about like what you do to get ready. Um, so, and this is like every, when everybody says everybody gives advice on how to prepare for public speaking and they frequently talk about just the act of writing the speech itself um mm-hmm. which is almost the easiest part of it right um because you can write the speech that's no problem it's actually the stuff the day that you do the day of which i find mm-hmm. is the trickiest and so i'll throw one out here so for myself i will first of all show up at the venue as early as i can and I'm, and i do two things first I go to the room that I'm going to be speaking in. 
so that I can see where it is. And, and yes, this is to figure out kind of logistics and make sure that, you know, I have a mic and stuff like that. But mostly what I'm doing is getting a sense of the room so that uh, it's not a surprise. It's not an unknown when I walk into it and I can spend the next two, three, five hours kind of imagining myself speaking in that room so that when I finally get there, I feel comfortable there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Do you have, do you have other kind of similar prep stuff that you do when you, uh, when you first get to a site? Yeah. I, and I, I love doing panels too. Like uh, panels are, they're harder in mm-hmm. some cases because you can't rehearse them. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it's That's very it. spontaneous. You got to be on your feet. You got to listen to what the other people are saying. Yep. Um, but I, I, one of the things that I try to do though, is when I'm moderating a panel is to like, I'll meet with people um, very, very briefly just to build a rapport with them. But I don't want to talk about what we're going to talk about during the prep part and, and save that for the show um, yeah. and, and just to keep it fresh and, and all that. Um, mm-hmm. So I found that to be pretty good. And um, one of the books that I like is uh, Confessions of a Public Speaker. And I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, Scott Birkin wrote that um, where it's it's not like how to give presentations, but more like, oh, well, you're giving a keynote for 90 minutes, and what what are some of the war stories that you would run into? Um, and which I, I thought was really, really good. Um, so that, that, that was pretty good. And I'm actually at the um, at, at Supercomputing next week. Uh, DLT is sponsoring a um, a reception, and I'm, I'll be moderating a panel there. Um, so it's pretty cool. It's um, Dan McGuan and I came up with the title, and the title of the panel is uh, Open Source Cloud HPC for Rocket Scientists, uh, Computer Scientists, and Mad Scientists. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's good. So, but it'll, it'll be interesting, you know, as far as, like, you know, getting everybody together and talking about, uh, you know, what people are doing. So I, I love doing panels. You, you can keep it, make it really lively. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Dave, if folks have more advice uh, for public speaking uh, and running panels, uh, where should they go for something like that? Yeah, or they want to get a, uh, a bulletproof suit that's stab-proof. Um, <laughs> they want to go to uh, dgshow.org. So it's D's and Dave, G is and Gunner, show.org. That's right. And uh, check us out on iTunes and be sure to give us a five-star rating because that matters. Um, yes. our, our, our collective sense of self-worth is very closely tied to our, our iTunes rating. So uh, do exactly. us a solid and, uh, and check out. And uh, otherwise, um, hope, for, hope everyone uh, enjoys their week. Bye, everybody.